Chase, and welcome to this week's episode of the Living Hope College Ministry Podcast. And this week we're going to be discussing uh, Ruth chapter 3 of the Redeeming Love series. Enjoy. Amen. If you would go ahead and be seated, it's an honor to get to be with you guys tonight. Hope that you are are doing well as you're coming uh, into the middle of your semester uh, and really out of a, a, a pretty um, freaky year, um, this has been kind of nuts, and I hope you know that. This is not normal. It shouldn't be this way. It's odd. Don't get used to it. It needs to go away. It needs to stop. But you're in this season of your life where you're, you might be tempted to think, you know, oh, it's, it's always going to be like this. This is how I think about life. This is, this, is, this is it. And this is not it, okay? This is just, it's a bad year. It's a bad time. This too will pass. So just keep that in your minds as, as you're kind of processing this. And it's important that you process this, guys. Um, just talking with a lot of young adults recently who are not doing well. And if you're not doing well, don't, don't freak out because you're not alone. There's a lot of people who are not doing well. And that's why we have our counseling center. That's why we have pastors uh, here in our church. And I, I want you to know, there's always someone here available at Living Hope. There's always someone here at Living Hope. I, anytime, 24-7, you ha- always have access to a minister uh, that, that you can, we always have someone on call. And, and I just wanna encourage you to know that if you are having a hard time in this season, you're not alone. This is hard. Uh, I'm talking to guys that are older than me, guys that are a few years younger than me, and some and young adults like you guys. And and not everybody's doing great. Um, and that should be expected. I do hate it for you guys because typically this time of year you get a spring break, right? You get to go to Florida or back home or somewhere and just rest. And rest is very important. Rest doesn't mean stop permanently. It means stop for a minute. Doesn't mean that there's not still stuff to do because there's still stuff to do. But what you do when you're resting is you're stopping from the stuff that's still there to do. And God made us to rest. In creation, he gave us this wonderful rhythm, you know, that we work six days and, and, and we, we rest. But what we have in Christ Jesus is an eternal rest. We are made by God to live in this sense of rest where there's, yes, there's always something that, that can be done, but we don't, we don't have to all the time be, be in this ongoing, never-ending you know, pursuit. We, we actually can rest. God, God made us to be a people who need rest. And God invites us to rest, Hebrews 4.10, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. To enter into a covenant relationship with Jesus is to enter into God's rest. And, and that's what salvation is. Salvation is coming to this place where you say, I'm not, I'm not counting on me anymore. I'm not depending on what I can do. I'm depending upon what Jesus has done. And I'm relying on that to define me. I'm relying on his strength, his resurrection power to be at work in my life. And so I can rest in who he is, not in who I am, not not thinking I've got it all figured out, not that I've got it all together, because none of us do. 
but because he does. And because of what he has done in the gospel, we can have a personal covenant relationship with him. Now, what has he done? Well, he, he, he's come, God himself in flesh, and he's lived a holy life, tempted but without sin. He died an atoning death. His death did not pay for his sins because he had never sinned. And because he's holy God, he's eternal God, his death has the power to pay for the sins of all who believe. The wages of sin is death. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So what did Jesus do? God himself, second person of the Trinity, entered time and space, entered into his creation, lived a holy life the way it was supposed to be, died to pay for our sin, and on the third day was raised. He's now alive. He's defeated the punishment and the power of sin. And he sent the Holy Spirit of God to live in us. So his presence is with us always. His life is in us. Those of us who believe we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Our sin is paid for and we've been given the righteousness of Christ. When God looks at us, he sees, he sees peace. He, he doesn't see conflict with him because the, the battle's been won. Our sin has been paid for. Our sin has been defeated. What he sees is, is, is a person who's at peace with God, who, who's, who's lifting holy hands saying, God, I'm yours. I belong to you. And we can rest in that. We can rest in that relationship that we have with God. And having been filled with the Holy Spirit, we can live in this life this life of the risen Christ, of God, of the holiness that God is. We can live in that. And that's what salvation is. It's living in the presence of God with complete peace, resting in what God has done for us. Friends, this rest is a gift. This rest brings us to, to who it is God designed us to be. This rest is this, this beautiful salvation. And that's what the book of Ruth is about. If you've got your Bibles, and I hope that you do, let's go now to the book of Ruth. Book of Ruth comes, comes after the Pentateuch, the first five, then Joshua judges, and then Ruth. Ruth is one of my favorite books in the Bible. Um, Ruth provides such a powerful picture of the gospel as we're gonna see tonight. Ruth is meant to be read, in my opinion, in one, in one sitting. And, and we're not going to do that tonight, but I would really encourage you, uh, by the time you gather for worship on Sunday, just to take 15 minutes, get alone, pray, and then just read the, the entire book of Ruth. Thinking through what you've studied so far, thinking through what, what, what the Word is saying to you even in that moment. So what we, what we have here in the, in the book of Ruth is, is a picture of a very important part of the Bible. The, the Bible is not a collection of stories and sayings. The, the Bible is a single story in four parts. Do you guys know those four parts? Can you say them out loud with me? There is creation, fall, rescue, restoration. Those four parts of the Bible are very important, not only because they, they explain reality, they also answer the four fundamental questions that every human being is always asking. Who am I? 
what went wrong? Who can fix it? Is there any reason to have hope? Those four questions are driving your behaviors, whether you know it or not. Those four questions are driving the the mindset of every person you know. Who am I? Everyone's asking that. Everyone's looking. Having been made, we, we have to look outside of ourselves for our identity. I think that's one of the things that was so hard during the pandemic is that people were not able to go into places where they could be defined by what they, they were typically uh, you know, used to. They, they couldn't go into their job and say, oh, I'm doing this, this is, this is who I am, this is, this is what I am. They, they couldn't go places, they couldn't do things, they couldn't accomplish, they couldn't be recognized. And, and that lack of recognition, that lack of being in those spaces and having something from the outside to find them, it, it really messed with a lot of people. Friends, by the way, that, that's part of the, the horror of hell. Friends, people keep saying this, and this is not true. People keep saying that hell is the absence of the presence of God. That is not true. Hell is the presence of the wrath of God. And an individual being left to themselves without any definition other than their treason against God. We, we need as creatures something to define us. In the darkness with nothing to define us, it's horrible. We're all wanting to know, who am I? Let me tell you who you are. You're an image bearer of the Almighty. You've been made in the image of God. Now, the next question has to be, well, what went wrong? <laughs> if, if, I am, if I'm an image bearer of God, then something has gone horribly wrong. Yes, it's called the fall. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that day when the human race fell into sin, it created chaos and brokenness and pain. So who can fix it? Friends, the government can't fix it. Education systems can't fix it. Entertainment industry can't fix it. Politicians can't fix it. You can't fix it. I can't fix it. Jesus can fix it. Christ alone can fix what's broken. And is there any reason to have hope? Absolutely. Here's the hope of all who believe. This world is not our home. One day Christ will return and he will, he will bring a new heaven and a new earth, and those who believe will be with the Lord forever. Now, our text tonight in Ruth chapter three, it explains how Jesus saves and rescues us and gives us eternal rest through a personal covenant relationship with him. So let's go through this part by part. Let's look at uh, uh, Ruth chapter three, uh, beginning in verse one. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter... Should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? First thing I want you to note is is that Naomi seeks rest for Ruth. Naomi wants Ruth to rest. Now up to this point, Ruth and Naomi have been enjoying the common grace given to all residents of Israel. Ruth was gleaning in Boaz's field so they could eat. And this was the law of the land. Leviticus chapter 19, beginning in verse nine. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. 
And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. God knew there would be poor people. He knew there would be people like Ruth and Naomi. And so he made a law that they would be able to still live, that they could, they could find food. And that's what they've been doing. They've been living under the common grace. Now, all human beings are under the common grace of God. Did you just tell your heart to beat? Did anybody in the room just say, beat heart, beat, do it, do it? No. You've been made by God with a beating heart. Didn't earn it, didn't make it happen, common grace. Well, I've been talking to you, you guys have been breathing. Anybody pay for that? No. You've been breathing. God's provided, it's common grace. Rain today for everybody. Sun came up, goes down for everybody. It's common grace. There's redemptive grace, which is what we have in Jesus Christ. And there's common grace. Now, Naomi knows that, that there's more than that, that can be had. And that's what she wants Ruth to have. She wants her to have more. Friends, all, all true friends and good family, they want the best for you. And, and when you thrive and when you succeed, they're glad. If there are people in your life that don't want you to succeed, there's something wrong with them and they are not your friends. There was a young lady, um, high school senior, and none of her friends had dates. They were all gonna dress up and go have fun, do their thing. But there was a guy uh, from her church, sweet guy, loves Jesus. And he was gonna ask her out to the prom. And her friends found out about it. And they got mad at her. And then they sabotaged the whole thing so that the guy wouldn't ask her out. I'm a pastor and I can't burn people's houses down, but I know people. That's wrong. That's wrong. If you have friends that don't want you to thrive, they're not your friends. They're not your friends. They're not for you. What I love about Naomi, she's for Ruth. She wants more for Ruth. Naomi wanted Ruth to experience more than the common grace of Boaz, more than just the law of the land. Naomi wanted Ruth to experience the rest of a covenant relationship, a covenant relationship with Boaz and all the benefits that bring with that. Second thing to note, look at verse two. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. So the thing I want you to note here in verse two is that Naomi reveals truth to Ruth. She's revealing truth. She's revealing something that, that, that Ruth probably didn't know. She's a Moabite. She probably didn't know a lot of the rules, didn't know a lot of what was going on. See, Boaz is their relative. She says here, his, he is our kinsman. This means that he could be their kinsman redeemer. Now there's gonna be a great... Uh, uh, talk on this next week. I hope that you're here. Let me just real quick give you a highlight. A kinsman redeemer, this is a male who can choose to provide his protection, redemption, and make his wife a widowed woman among his relatives. This is why Ruth in the Bible uh, is here in the Bible and why this book in the Old Testament is so powerful. See, this little book points to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. 
See, we, we were left for dead. We were left having broken our relationship with God in sin. And God could have left us in that. Instead, he sent one who was like us to redeem us, to make us his own. And that's what Naomi's doing. Naomi is revealing this reality to Ruth. He, he's, she's making Ruth aware there's hope. There's someone who can fix this. There's someone that you can have a relationship with that will change your life, that will, that will give you peace, that you can rest in. Today, I spoke with a church about a staffing need they have, and I was recommending a dear friend of mine, and I made them aware of someone that could really help them, someone that could really change their, their ministry, their lives. Friends, as believers, if you're, if you're a disciple of Jesus tonight, I wanna remind you, there are a lot of people on that campus that you're gonna come across tomorrow that don't understand Jesus. They don't know what he's about. They don't get it. They, they, there's a lot of bad press out there. And they, let's, don't, let's don't lie. We got a lot of weird uncles out there, okay? So we got some stuff going on. And so we need people that can explain. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about this kinsman redeemer. Let me tell you about this person who could change your life. Let me tell you about the good things that can happen in a covenant relationship with him. See, this is what Naomi's doing. She's saying, Ruth, th this is someone who could change your life. And then, I like this, she makes, him, makes her aware. Hey, Boaz is available. Not only can he change your life, but he's available. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the, at, the, at the threshing floor. Friends, people need to know that Jesus is available to everyone who will receive him. John chapter one, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Friends, Jesus is available tonight. You can enter his rest tonight. Hebrews 4, chapter 7, where, where, we, where we hear about this rest. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The Hebrew writer says, lean into this truth. Enter into this rest. Naomi is telling Ruth that this was her opportunity. And I'm sure Ruth was wondering, well, what do I do? Now look what Naomi tells her, verses three through four. Wash therefore, therefore and anoint yourself. Put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the, to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. Some of you guys know my story. I wasn't raised in church. Um, had a lot of issues dealing with, with a lot of things and I was angry. And I needed someone to slow walk me to Jesus. I needed someone to slowly say, here's what you do, slowly. I have in my office a, a turtle, it's ceramic. And the guy who gave it to me, it took me three years to lead him to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And he gave me that turtle, he said, always remember, some of us are turtles. And then I love it. He took it and he shook it. And on the inside, it was broken. And you could hear it. You could hear it. I should have brought it. It's, you can hear the, the broken piece. And he said, and remember, we're all broken. Remember, every person you're going to see tomorrow is broken in some way. 
and, and some are turtles. You're going to have to slow walk them, people like me. And I get the feeling that Naomi's trying to slow walk Ruth into what to do. Now, I do need to stop here, and I need to make sure we all understand what is called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is, is a basic way of understanding the Bible. You have to understand in the Bible, there are some portions of it that are descriptive. They're describing what's going on. And then there's other parts that are prescriptive. They are explaining what you're supposed to do. I mean, let, me make, let me make this very clear. This is descriptive, not prescriptive. This is not a command. This is not what young ladies, listen very cool, listen to me. This is not what you should do. I do not want to get calls from officials from Western tonight of stories of women who left Living Hope Baptist Church to sneak into men's rooms to uncover their feet and, and lie there, okay? That's weird. It's wrong. It's wrong on every way. Don't do that. This is a descriptive part of scripture. This is not prescriptive. You're not being commanded to sneak into somebody's room tonight and uncover their feet. That's, that's illegal. Let's don't do that. So I just make sure we understand that. What Naomi is doing is she's explaining to Ruth how she is to pursue this covenant relationship with Moaz in order to gain the redemptive blessing that Boaz can give. See, you gotta, when you're talking, friends, you gotta be real clear about what a person must do in order to be saved. I didn't get it. I went to church for months and months. Now, I'll be honest with you. I was there to get a date. I was not interested in Jesus. I was playing tic-tac-toe with bulletins and all the other stuff, just trying to, I didn't get it. But he, one thing I did understand was how to be saved. You know, Jesus said it like this. Therefore, go and make disciples of nations. First thing you gotta do is you gotta help someone believe. Then baptize them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And third, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. So many people have this backwards. So many people think, well, I've got to obey God first and I gotta be worthy and then I can believe and then I can be baptized. That is backwards. Friends, explain to people, no, 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 no. You can't save yourself. You can't clean you up. Who can fix this? Jesus. You've gotta believe, then be baptized and then you learn to walk in obedience. And the more you walk in the obedience, the more there, there's rest. So Ruth trusted Naomi and she experienced Boaz's grace. Let's go to verse six. So she went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law commanded. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Now, we're again, this is descriptive. This is not, again, guys, if you wanna get married, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go get me a bunch of grain. I'm gonna get me some wine. I'm gonna go lay down in the middle of nowhere. And some girl's gonna love me and come and touch my feet. That is not, again, I do not want calls from WKU officials. That again is weird. It's a line, don't go there, okay? This is descriptive. What, what's happening here is it, is it God setting up the, the, way, the way this is done. Now, this, there's something about this that, that, I mean, everyone gets, this probably isn't real safe, right, for, for Ruth. I mean, she's a girl going amongst a group of men who've been drinking and she's gonna lay down in the middle of them. 
That's not safe. <laughs> what is she doing? She's acting in faith. We had a young lady baptized here uh, a few weeks ago, and we couldn't use her real name, and we couldn't show the video because she's from a country where if it was discovered that she'd been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they would hurt her family and wouldn't, wouldn't probably treat her very well either. You know, you have some friends that are terrified that want to know Jesus. For instance, I wanted to be saved. I wanted to give my life to Christ. But you know what? I was terrified of losing my friends. I was terrified of all the things that I was going to have to give up. And I didn't know what was going to happen to me socially or any other way if I did this. Friends, it, it, it takes faith. It, it feels dangerous. And so if you've not accepted Christ, I get it, but friends, it's worth it. Now, verse eight makes me laugh. I have a very sick sense of humor. Verse eight is hilarious to me. At midnight, the man was, was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Uh, just quick survey. How many of you are the, you're the type of person, if you see someone else get really, really scared, so scared that they almost get mad and maybe cry. It delights your soul. Show of hands. It's normal. The rest of you, something's wrong with you, all right? It's funny. I love, love. I laughed for 10 minutes today. Someone sent me a, a, a reel of a cat that was drinking water and someone put a stuffed animal next to it. And the cat turned around and jumped and started just howling and going crazy and knocked stuff. I laughed for 10 minutes. I'm talking, crying, laughing hard. I've, I've always thought it was funny. It almost got me killed one night. Uh, before I came to Christ, I used to love to scare friends. We didn't live in the best neighborhood, but some friends and I thought it would be fun to wait for one of our friends who was house sitting and to scare, that, scare him, see if we could make him cry because that's funny. And when we were kind of all, I was behind the wall and I had a friend with me and we were getting ready to jump out. And this, I'm, this guy, obviously a good citizen, probably in charge of like security for the neighborhood, comes out with a gun. And I don't mean like a pistol, like a barrel. Like It's like, I'm still not sure if it was a real gun, but it was like one of those kind of like long Clint Eastwood guns. Well, I was scared at first until my friend started crying which struck me funny, <laughs> which made him mad, which made my friend cry more. And I know it was wrong, but it's, it was funny to me. And yes, we almost died, but I'm still laughing about it <laughs> because I'm sick, because it's funny. That's what normal. So here's Boaz. All right. I mean, look at verse eight. This is hilarious. He's He's eating, he's got his harvest, he's hanging out with his homies, he's, he's laying down in the hay, and then he's wrapped up in his, he's cozy, right? He's got his blanket, he's all wrapped up, and next thing he knows, something's touching his feet. What in the hemoglobin? You know, can't you just see him just jumping up? You know, he's like, what the? And there's Ruth. Hi. I hope Jesus recorded that because I'd like to see it. Like when I get to heaven, I think it's going to be just great. And, and so here, here it is, this, this, this guy, and he's in a dead sleep. And, but then verse nine, verse eight makes me laugh because the Bible's hilarious. Verse nine makes me smile. 
He said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. What's she asking for? She's asking for salvation. She's asking him to marry her. She's saying, I want a covenant relationship with you. I'm stepping out in faith. I, I, want, I want to be under your authority. He says, you, for said you are a redeemer. Now, this word has got all, and it's one who can save. Ruth is confessing her faith in Boaz. And I love verse 10, Boaz praises her for her faith. Look what he says there. He says, you could have, you could have sought other saviors. You could have went after young guys, older guys, other guys. He said, instead, you look to me. Friends, everyone's looking for something that can fix them. If you've not trusted in Jesus, let me tell you what you're doing. You're trusting in something. You're trusting in something that you think is going to make you whole, that you can have rest, that will give you a sense of completeness. And only Jesus can do it. Here is Ruth. She knows who her kinsman redeemer is. She goes, Boaz is like, you dear heart, you could have gone. And then verse 11 through 15, Boaz shows his, his grace and he explains his plan. Basically says, lay low. I got to take care of this other one who, who, who is a, a closer relative than me, who actually has the authority, which you'll, you'll study next week. And then he, he, he's going to explain how he's going to accomplish the plan. And he sends her off. So verse 16 and 18, let's go, let's keep, let's move. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did you fare, my daughter? Then she told her all that the man had done for her. Naomi sort of teaches Ruth here how to rest. D don't miss this. He says, he, he, Ruth is kind of showing her, look what everything he did. Now, now look what, this is so beautiful. Look in verse 18. Look, what, look how he teaches her to rest. She replied, wait, my daughter, until you learn. Now, this word wait is the Hebrew word is yashab. Do you know what the day of rest is of the seven days in the Old Testament? Do you know what that, that word is? Can you say it out loud? Sabbath, sabbat. This is yasab, the same root word, sab. She's saying, be still. Another translation of this, abide. Can you think of anyone else who talked about the importance of abiding. John chapter 15, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit from apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, this is not easy. I know many of you, you're wondering about your life. You're wondering, some of you are trying to figure out, okay, what, what am I supposed to be majoring in? What's my career supposed to be? How am I, how am I supposed to get there? Who am I supposed to marry? Who am I supposed to date? Where am I gonna work? What's gonna happen to me? And some of you, you're, You've got those questions, but you're not brave enough to deal with it. And, and the people who are out getting sloppy and being stupid, they're just folks that don't have the courage to deal with these questions. 
I just want to put it off. I just, I don't want to think about it. Peter Pan syndrome. I don't want to grow up. Friends, you got to grow up, but you don't have to stress out. Here's a great thing about Jesus. You can rest. When you're resting, it doesn't mean that there's not more to do. There's still more to do. What resting does is that you're stopping from working. There's still more that's going on. There's still more that you got to engage. But you can rest. You can say, you know what? I don't have to stress. I can, I can rest. I don't have to have it all figured out because I, I know who does have it all figured out. I don't have to know everything about tomorrow. I don't have to have next year figured out. I don't, I don't have to know how many kids are going to have and how horrible they're going to be, and they will be. You don't have to worry about it. You can just say, Lord, I trust you. Here's the good news. Christ invites you to rest, to abide in him. And when you abide in him, you can rest. Naomi's advice is sound. I love this. Look at verse 18 again. She says, rest, for that man will not rest. Now, two different words. This word, for that man shall not rest, is the word shakat. (laughs) Maybe another way to say it is, that man will not be quiet. That man will not be silent. That that man is not going to just sit back and say nothing. He's going to speak up. He's about to be active. He's going to do what's needed to be done. Here's what you can know about Jesus Christ. Here's what you can know about God Almighty. He is not silent. He is speaking. His blood speaks up for you. When Satan tempts you to despair and tells you of your guilt within, one look at him, you see him there, the one who made an end of all your sin. Jesus' blood is screaming for you. It's screaming, paid in full, owes nothing, completely saved. And you know what else is speaking? God's word. God's word is speaking. And if you have ears that can hear, that is, if you are resting in Christ and the spirit of God is living in you, that word of God will speak to you and it will work. Back to Hebrews 4, but now verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God is speaking. He will not rest. He has a plan for you. If you've trusted him, his blood has bought you. His spirit has sealed you. He is now guiding you where he wants you to be. You know why you don't have to stress? Because God's got the plan. You know why you can, you can just rest in the Lord tonight and tomorrow and next week and this summer and 10 years from now? It's because so long as you are abiding in Christ, resting in him, he's going to produce the fruit. He's going to make you a blessing. He's going to bless you. 
as you rest in him. But friends, if you're not resting in him, I've got some bad news. You should be stressed out. You should be terrified because your life is in your hands and you don't have the first clue of what tomorrow's weather is gonna be. And yet you think you're gonna figure out what is best for your relationships, for your mindset, for your heart, for your life. Friends, wake up. You've been made in the image of God, but because of the fall, you're broken. Jesus Christ can fix you if you will rest in him. And he will speak for you and he will speak to you. Oh, would you listen? Let's pray. Father God, I know in this place that there are some whose hearts are unsettled. Minds are racing and running constantly, not sure what they're supposed to do, not sure of how they're supposed to feel, not sure if they're where they're supposed to be, not sure of of really a lot of some things that they really want to be sure of. But Father, here's what we can know. You're sure. And because you're sure, if we trust in you, and, and live in you and abide in you and rely for our life's meaning and purpose and identity to be in you, we can rest. So Father God, I pray for, for all of us tonight because we're all tempted to trust in ourselves. We're all tempted to freak out. But Lord Jesus, you have come. Holy Spirit, you are here. Father, you love us and you will allow us to rest in you. Tonight, if you want to rest in Christ, repent of your sin, of yourself, your self-dependence, and tell God you're done trusting in yourself. You wanna trust in him, you wanna rest in him. And if you've done that, but you're finding it hard to rest, just know the, the problem is not on God's end, it's on yours. You're not abiding. You're not listening to his word. You're not walking in the spirit. So commit yourself now to do that. Father, you are good. You are, you're willing to bless the weary and anxious so that we can rest. Let's stand together, let's praise.